Um, it's a good day. Uh, I just realized we haven't prayed for uh, God's preaching here. So let me take a moment, ask the Lord to, uh, to speak to us because uh, he's good and he's able and he will. So let's, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, Abba, uh, you are good and you love us and you call us, Lord, into relationship with you. Uh, and that means that you speak to us. And so, Lord, we want to hear. Uh, so we ask, Lord, that you would speak clearly through your spirit and your word, that you would speak to our hearts as we meditate on your word today, that you would uh, op- give us ears to hear and eyes to see, uh, and Lord, that you would continue uh, to draw us near, that you would continue to uh, keep us in your love, um, and that you would continue to shape us into a people who are securely rooted in who you are and walk confidently in the mission that you've called us to. We trust you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Who knows what book we're going to today? Jude. Jude. Great. You've been paying attention. (laughs) Um, Well, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're new with us, uh, we have been going through a book uh, in towards the end of the Bible, second book at the end of the Bible, uh, is a book called Jude. Uh, We are a people here who simply love Jesus and have found life in him, have found full forgiveness in him. And we seek to know him and to follow him and to remind ourselves of his love for him. And we seek to love and extend that love to others. We want to be a place where faith and fellowship create a family, and we want to know him well. And the, one of the ways we do that is by gathering here on a Sunday, singing songs of praise to him that is reminding us of who he is. Uh, it is praying and seeking him corporately, and it is also looking at his word and seeing it in context, seeing what it says, and seeing what it means for us. And so we have been walking through this book and looking at it. It's a book that is, is written towards believers who are struggling underneath or with uh, people who are coming in and distorting the message of the gospel. And the gospel is a simple message of good news, that God sees our brokenness and has provided a solution in his son, that Jesus lived the life we could not live and died the death that we deserve so that we can have the life that he deserves that he rose again from the dead. And by doing so and putting our faith in him, we have new life and the promise of a future resurrection. That we actually can have relationship with God because God made the way. And God does not expect us to uphold any type of standard to keep us in his love. That we can be in relationship with him because Jesus paid for it. Uh, Jesus upholds it. And Jesus keeps us there. We don't have to earn salvation. We don't have to work to, be, uh, to, be ple- to have God pleased with us. He actually delights in us because we are his children, because Jesus has paid for this. Um, and so there were people who were twisting oh, that statement into a life that is living opposite of what God has called for us to live. A life that is is taking uh, grace of God not as something to rescue me out of brokenness, but something that is giving me license to continue living in it. Um, and, 
and Jude, writing to these believers, is calling them to remember the hope that they were called to. That God is called to rescue his people out of darkness and into light, not so that they could go back and live in darkness, but that they could live in the light. And so we were looking at this and we were seeing last, last week that there's this, these, this call for God's people to live in the love of God. That how we reject false teaching is not necessarily even necessarily looking out for all the right ways teaching can be or all the right statements someone should say. The way we do that is by simply living in the love of God, understanding that he loves us, that we are his beloved child, that he actually does care for us. Like, a father cares for his infant child. Like my, I mean, my, my newest born child, I look at that baby and just she smiles and it just brings me so much joy. And our heavenly father sees that for us always. And in doing so, knowing that rooted in his love, that he loves and cares for me, that I am secure in him, I, it leads me in a different direction than where I was before. It leads me towards him. And so we build each other up in the faith. We remind one another who he is. We pray along the line of the Holy Spirit and we wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. We live as though Jesus is coming back, not caught up in the things that are happening in this world right now, but we have a future mindset in the present. Christ who who came and died and rose again and left. He said he was going to do all those things, and then he said he was going to come back. And if he did all those other things, how could we doubt the reality that he's coming back? Amen. And so we're going to continue uh, this, uh, this series. We're going to be back in uh, Jude. We're going to start back in verse 17. We're going to be focusing on mostly Jude 22 and 23. And so if you have your Bibles uh, or your devices or wherever you want to read, I want to invite you to open up to the book of Jude. If you don't have a Bible uh, and you're new and you would like to have a, a hard copy, there's one in the pew in front of you. Take it. Keep it. We'll find that there's one missing. We'll put one back. It's yours to keep. Uh, but if you have your Bibles open, we're going to read real quick and then we'll get, to, get into this. So, Verse 17, but you must remember, beloved, the prediction of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourself, yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Then have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. And to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. So what Jude is getting at here, I think, is something that is illustrated in multiple places in Scripture. That those who are securely rooted in the love of God, seek 
to love others. Those who are securely rooted in the love of God seek to love others. This is a very simple statement. I think we could pick this up in a lot of places, but the reality is true. As Jude is building his argument and he's building his defense, like last week I pointed out multiple times, Jude uses this word beloved. I mean, the whole, the whole letter is, is bookended by that word. The point is that you know you are loved. You are secure. You are cared for. You are precious to God. And God deeply is, is, is deeply concerned with the affairs of your life. He loves you. He cherishes you. He cares for you. He is with you. And when you fully understand that, you are freed from a life that is trying to protect myself. And I'm freed from that kind of life, and, and I'm actually unleashed towards a life that is looking towards other people, towards helping other people, towards rescuing other people. Um, you know, I, I think this is sitting here in a contrast because Jude is showing these false teachers, right, are people who are following after their own ungodly passions, right? But you keep yourself in the love of God and follow after the passion of our Lord Jesus, right? These people are looking for something to fill something that they want for themselves that they feel like they need. Jude says, you keep yourself in the love of God. You build yourself in the holy faith. You pray along the Holy Spirit. You wait for Jesus to return. And then you go out and rescue those. Have mercy on those who doubt. Others, snatch them out of the fire. Go towards other people. You don't need to worry about finding and filling what you think you need. Because God's already filled that. You have everything that you need. And really, this is something that life should just teach all of us. Last week, I talked about the word sin. And I made that, it's an easy way to define that. It's uh, the middle letter I. It's a life about myself. It's a life towards me. My wants, my desires, my needs, what I think's right, what I think's what I, I should have. Me, 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 me. And that's where all sin, pride, is, is rooted in. Actually, the original sin came from Eve and Adam deciding that they know better than what God knows. That what he said they should not eat, he's actually just trying to withhold something from them. And they would be more fulfilled if they followed with what they desired to do, and so they ate and then they experienced separation. And all of life teaches this. I mean, infants are born. Me, 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 right? Not a bad thing. Uh, it's, it's, actually, it's actually amazing that a baby knows that they need to eat milk as soon as they come out of the womb. That, that is, there, there's no education there. It's just they know I need to eat. And they cry and they need to eat. Then those babies turn into toddlers, and those toddlers, if they have siblings, 
sometimes creates issues with siblings because when two people want the same thing and only one person can have it, sometimes things don't go very peaceful, peaceably. And then you grow up in life and you never really grow out of that. This, this need to protect what I feel like I need. Right? Any of us remember high school? Oh, <laughs> the response. Okay. Um, you go there and, and it's like the, I don't, I don't know if that's the first time when someone starts thinking and seeing the need for having some kind of public persona. But you go around a group that you feel like you need to fit in with. And peer pressure is a real thing. And you cave into peer pressure. Why? Because I want to be accepted. I want to be known as something that I feel like people need to know me as so that I can feel like I'm an important person and I'm worth, worthwhile. And all this anxiety of, of growing up, the awkward stage of, of all that stuff, and it's all, the pain is coming because I don't feel secure. And I'm trying to find my security in the people that I'm around or the identity that I hold um, or the things that I have. And it doesn't really change as you get older. Bought this house, I get this car, I get this thing. Uh, it doesn't necessarily even change when you come to church. Many places, churches are places where people wear masks the most. I, all week, I've been yelling at my kids. I've been yelling at my 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 boss, I'm a terrible worker, I'm, you know, I'm doing all sorts of things, and then when I come into church, oh, praise the Lord, it's a great day. God is so good. And really, I haven't spoken to him in a year. Because I want to pro project an image of something that I feel like People need to see me as, so that I can be secure. And it's the same thing for false teachers looking after their own ungodly passions, trying to fill some kind of sense of need and security in them because they are the only ones backing themselves up. They're not secure. But us who have received Jesus, received his Holy Spirit, have God as our Father, who knows us, who provides for us, who cares for us, who sees us in our darkest moment and our best moment, and neither of those moments change his love towards us. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your sight? If I ascend to the height, you're there. If I go down to the depths, you're there. If I go into Sheol, you're there. You see me. Where can I go? You love me. You know me. You were there when I was put together in my mother's womb. And when I realized this, when I realized that the, the gospel, the good news I don't have to work it. I don't have to keep it up. I don't have to do anything. God actually loves me and he wants to shape and change me into someone who is reflecting who he is. I get to carry the image of God around in this world. Glory. 
and show him to other people while he's preparing me a place that I live with him forever with no pain, no sorrow, no nothing. And he's promised to provide everything, every single thing that I actually need in this life. Not once have I seen the righteous go hungry, their children begging for bread. I'm secure. And if I've sinned and I, and I need to confess it, I'm secure. Because even if I lose relationships, I still have a relationship with the God of the universe. I don't need to uphold an image. I don't need to seek my own. He provides for it. He gives it. He extends. We're freed. His love sustains us. His love provides everything we need. And where there's more brokenness and sorrow and shame, there's more grace and there's more mercy and there's more compassion of our Lord for us. So being filled in him releases us to look not for my own personal needs as the primary need. It releases me to look not just inward, but outward towards people who are rough around the edges, who cause problems in my life, who are creating issues or people I don't want to discuss or talk with. It allows me to look at them in the way God looks at them and the way that God has looked at me. If he's extended mercy to me, I extend mercy to another. If he's extended grace towards me, I show his grace towards another. Right? This, is, this is the whole message of the Great Commission. Go into the world and make disciples of all, ma- all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. For lo, I'll be with you even till the end of the age. Disciples do that because they've become disciples. Go teach what I've taught you because I've taught you. Go share my love with you because I've loved you. That's the mission of the church. These false teachers were not following the mission of the church. They were following a mission that they had devised for themselves. The mission of the church is to reach lost people. Is to be a disciple and then make disciples. If I'm a disciple first, then I can make disciples. If I'm not a disciple first, then I cannot make disciples. If I'm not walking with God, I cannot help other people walk with God. So I am a disciple. I keep myself, remind myself, I keep myself in the love of God. I build myself up in the holy faith. And then I go and help other people along the way. All of us. See, God's people are called to reach all people. God's people are called to reach all people. And Jude puts this out in in somewhat of like three categories. He's making this statement. He said, and have mercy on those who doubt. 
Save others by snatching them out of the fire. And to others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now, I think it's helpful for us to break down what he's saying and what he's looking at, because I think he's throwing out three categories of people that encompass all people. Number one, Christians who doubt their faith. He's calling us to have mercy and to reach Christians who doubt their faith. Christians who are struggling with the reality of who God is. Oftentimes we are in the church, historically, it can be easy to cast off people who are not as enlightened as us. Typically you find denominations who are trending downwards, a hyper... um, elevation of theological precision that is keeping them from having mercy with people who are having issues with doubt. How could you be a doubting Christian? Well, that's the reality of life. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is a life raft in the sea of doubt. Faith is believing what is not seen. And there are things that the Lord uses in our life to shape us and grow us and secure us and establish us into understanding the reality of his, the truth of his word. And there are Christians who will not associate with other Christians because they're struggling with Genesis chapter 1 and a six-day literal creation which I believe that it does teach a six-day little creation. But is that the core? Is, is, this, is this the thing that they must believe in order to be saved? No. I've been with Christians who are doubting that God is actually good. I believe in Jesus, but I don't really believe he's actually good. Because my life sucks. Everything is falling down around me. Everything is terrible. How could he be good? My dad just died. My mom just died. My business is falling apart. Everything's going, going whatever. I'm struggling here. And I'm doing things because I'm really in pain and I'm stepping in and I'm taking stuff that I know is sinful, but I, I don't know what to do because God doesn't care for me. I got to care for myself. And you talk up from the stage all the time. God loves us. God God's cares us. God's with us. But reality, I don't see it. And Jesus says, have mercy with those people. Because that's a hard thing to walk through. Took Job a long time to get there. He lost his house. He lost his kids. He lost his, he lost his job. His finances. He lost everything and his wife was telling him to curse God and die. And he's got friends around him. He must have done something wrong. Because God is an economic God. Do the right things, God gives you the right stuff. Do the wrong things, God gives you the, the bad stuff. And he's struggling. Doubt. And at the end of it, okay, I finally get it, Lord. You are God. 
This world is broken. You allow things and you stop things, and it's your prerogative to do so. So I will submit my life to you in the middle of my mess, knowing that you can redeem me out of death. And then God works an amazing thing in someone's heart and establishes them as a person who can step into someone else's life who is broken and hurting and struggling and say, listen, I know exactly where you are. I was there. I was in the deepest pit I've ever been in my life. But God lifted me up and put my feet on a solid rock. Life didn't get changed or easy, but the peace that he gave me, I don't even really understand how it is, but he is good. So hold on to the thread. Hold on. He will work this out in your life. I'm not going to cast you off because you're spewing out at me because you're hurting. I'm going to embrace you, love you, care for you. Right? Jude, these people, for Jude in this context, these are people wrestling with the false teaching. They're doubting, they're following after what these teachers are doing. They're engaging in behaviors that are not good for them. Have mercy with them. Don't kick them out of the church. Don't shun. Seek to love those people. Right? Living out the gospel means that we have mercy on those who are struggling. And if someone has, has fallen, right, we don't shoot our wounded. Right? It's not our policy. We go towards trying to restore someone to health, to bring them back into relationship with the Lord. Second, Jude calls us to reach non-believers who have good morals, just good old people. Right? For Jude, this is, a, this is a religious Jewish person. I mean, he's writing to Jewish people. There are Jews there who do not believe in the Messiah and, and they're just living nominal lives, good lives, good religious lives, but they have no hope. And he says, of these people, save others by snatching them out of the fire. Right now, now Jude is, is mentioning and he's calling to mind an Old Testament passage. Uh, you could turn to there if you want, Zechariah 3. I'm just going to read a little bit in Zechariah. Um, it's a really interesting scene because God is, has the high priest at the time before him and Satan is in his courts accusing him and God does an amazing thing to this person. So then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua stand before the angel clothed with filthy garments, and the angel said to them, those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And he said to him, behold, I have taken away your iniquity away from you, and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by and the angel of the Lord of the, solemn, uh, of, 
solemnly assured Joshua, thus says the Lord of hosts, if you walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and I have charge over my, of my courts and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. This really interesting passage that Jude is picking up and putting in place where he's quoting it is a passage about Joshua standing as a representative of Israel who is filthy. Filthiness is because of their sin. They've transgressed what God has asked them to do. They've gone after other gods. And Satan's there accusing them. Look what they did. Look at all the things that they did. Look how bad they are. Look how dirty they are. And God says, get away. I have chosen this one. Remove the garments of filth. Put garments of righteousness on them. This Joshua here, the high priest, becomes a picture of Jesus who takes upon our filthy garments and gives us clothes of righteousness. And Jude is calling us to look at people who have good morals, aren't necessarily quote-unquote bad people, and understand that they are heading towards a place of destruction. And they are in need of someone to rescue them out of that. And we are called to be emissaries of the Lord to speak hope and righteousness to those who are perishing. Now, not often do we talk about this in church. I don't know, or I haven't heard it lately in other churches I listen to, but hell is real. Hell is a real place. It's not some kind of just bad place playing the fiddle with the devil or listening to, never mind. It's a place of utter torment because it's a place where God is not. Many live in hell on this earth. And so they deny God because this earth is hell. Why would I want to go do that if he can't rescue me out of this? And, and miss out on an opportunity to have actual life. But God's presence is still on this earth. His goodness is still seen in his creation. His goodness is still experienced by his people. But in hell, there is a hundred percent separation from God. And the Bible describes that as a, as a fire that is never quenched. Right? Jesus says this in Mark 9, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. It is torment. Because there is nothing good there. And the Bible presents that as an eternal place. If there was any ounce of love in us, we would never want anyone to go to that place, even our worst enemy. And oftentimes we live as though that's not a real place. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Heaven will exist for all eternity. Life with Jesus. Heaven is Christ. 
There is no heaven without Christ. Heaven is the fullness of God. His light, he lights up everything. And hell stands for eternity as a, as a symbol of his justice. And Judah's saying, look, you've received mercy. Look to extend it. Those who look like they're living good lives, they're still heading for a place that is not good. And not only non-believers does he call us to look after, it's non-believers who live with no morality or anti-morality. Those who we read the news and complain about all the time. Eagles fans. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> show mercy on those if you had mercy. Um, look, we can live as people engaged. We are called to live as people engaged in this world. We are called to be in the world, but not of it. We are called to interact with people who do things that we don't agree with. We're not called to stand on a corner and start pointing out everyone's flaws. It's not helpful. Because they could just turn around and point flaws back at us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. 100%. Have you done that this week? Love your neighbor as yourself. Have you done that? We miss it. Often. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I miss it. I forget it. Praise the Lord that my perfection is not resting on my shoulders. It's resting on Jesus. And so when I'm rooted and in, in, in grounded in him, then I can go and reach someone else who is someone I would not want to interact with normally. But he says this, and I think it's interesting how Jude is saying this, to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Okay, obviously, he's, he's referencing unrighteousness. Um, he's, he's referencing people who are doing things like these false prophets. Reach them, but don't, don't get tempted to step back into the things that they're doing. Don't fall back into the same sin that you've been rescued out of. Another way is, you know, we hear this every time, every time you get on a plane. Put your oxygen mask on first before you go help someone else. Like we are called to reach people. But this does not, it's not necessarily God's call on an alcoholic's life three months after he's started being sober to go preach in bars. Right? I, that's not a good place for him to be. I, I, need, I need to distance myself from the destructive substance that I have no control over. A heroin addict is not called by God a month after they're sober. You know, had to have some Narcan. Cops found them. Okay, I submit my life to the Lord. I'm free. Everything's good. 
God's probably not sending them down to the corner of Allegheny and Kensington. There's, there has to be an understanding of my ability and where I'm at in life to not fall back into the temptation that God has rescued me out of. But that doesn't mean I, I'm not called to love. But I need to do that cautiously and wisely. I need to establish myself first, firmly rooted in the Lord, following him, and then out of that, love someone else. And I'm not called to rescue the entire world. That's Jesus' job. I can't actually cause anyone to be saved. Jesus is the one who does that. So, if all of this is true, which I believe it is, what do we do with this? Well, I just believe we're called to reveal God's love through us. Simple, easy, um, extremely difficult. You are called to be a reflection of the mercy and grace of God to the people around you. That's your mission. Your mission from God is the same mission that he gave his disciples when he was leaving this earth. To go and make disciples. To love him, to receive his love, to be in relationship with him and call other people to know him and walk with him in relationship with him. And it's not easy. It's not easy at all. Um, it's actually really difficult. Because I have to be honest. I have to actually do the hard things. I have to make choices that are difficult. But God is there walking with me. He's there leading me. And if you remember, Jude's calling the people to pray in the Holy Spirit. And Jude was talking about these false prophets as being devoid of the Holy Spirit. And Jude is trying to remind the believers that you have a resource dwelling inside of you that will help you to fulfill anything that the Lord is calling you to do. There's nothing outside his call on your life that is impossible for you to accomplish with his help. Even though it's impossible for you to do. God calls us to step in faith with him and trust in the power that he has given us. And we often neglect and forget the reality of that power. We can wake up every single day worn out by the day before, carrying the burdens of the day that we had in the days prior. Or we can realize the resource that we have that brings mercies new every morning. That starts a new day out fresh with everything that I need. With a God who's not 
listing out a bunch of rules for me to jump through, or hoops for me to jump through, but actually wants to be in relationship with me, caring about what I care about, and helping to care about what he cares about. And sovereignly placing me in situations where I can help people. Right? There's lots of methods to share the gospel. Uh, one I found is pretty, I've shared this with others before, but I found this is pretty easy to think of. It's just using the word gospel as an acronym. God, our sins, paying everyone life. God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. He who, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life, and life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. And you use that and say, like, hey, man, have you ever heard the gospel? I don't I mean, gospel music? A little bit. No, have you actually heard the gospel? Do you know what that is? No, I don't know what that is. Well, let me, let me tell you. I'll just use this as an acronym. God, our sins, paying us everyone life. Right? There's, there's all sorts of stuff out there. Good news, bad news. Good news, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Bad news is sin separates us from God. Right? And you just go down the line. There's plenty of resources out there. One of the most effective resources is simply my actual testimony. My actual story of how God rescued me. That's something that nobody can deny. Look, I was living life, I was doing this, I was this person, I was going all, all, all these things were going on in, into all this other stuff. And through a series of events and a series of people, I was just hit with the fact that I need God. That he's real. And I repented and I called out to him and I didn't even, I don't even know what that preacher was saying, but I just said the simple prayer like, Lord, I need you. I believe you died on the cross. Please save me from my sins. And I don't know what happened. All I know is that my heart felt free. And God has been shaping and changing me ever since. And the look on your face, because I described a person I used to be, because you could never see me doing that, tells me the fact that he's actually doing this in me. And he can do it in you. There's a, here's insider information. I had a meeting with, uh, with a guy from the Billy Graham Association uh, last week. Uh, they're going to be doing a crusade in the Elkton area in May. Um, it's going to be a free event for anyone who wants to go. I believe the newsboys will be there. Um, and they're going to be having training sessions here in this area, five of them training people how to share the gospel. You could sign up for that whenever that gets notified. I don't know when it's going to be. Um, sometime in February, I think I'm going to find out. I'll let you know. There's, there's just a ton of tools out there for us to take serious the call for us to share the message of hope that God has given us each. He's good. He secures us. And his security places us on mission. And we don't need to worry about covering our back because the Lord covers our back. We don't need to worry about filling things that we need because if we have a need, we simply stop and go, Lord, I'm feeling really depressed right now. 
and I don't know what to do with it because there's some things in my life I'm not sure I'm going to be able to, able to surmount. But you know about them, and you said that you're, you can take my anxieties. So right now I'm just asking you to put it on your desk, and I'm asking you to take that. And I want to know what you're going to give me in response. I, mean, I would really like your peace and your joy right now. I'd really like your strength. But you're God, so you, you, know, you know what I need. And you have that personal conversation with him? Man, how is he going to change your life? Crazy. So, let's trust him. Let's walk with him. Let's see him move mightily on our behalf. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your son. I thank you that you love us, that you care for us, that you know our needs before we even ask. Lord, that you shape and you mold and you move and you place us to where you have us for the reasons that you have us there. And when things don't make sense, Lord, you are still true. You are still faithful. You are still kind. Lord, deepen our understanding of our security in you. And Lord, strengthen our feet. Give us your shoes of peace as we enter into this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's, let's stand together.